Hello, listeners. It's your host, Daisha. Uh, so the Classical Classroom team is taking a little holiday break this week. So we've brought you something from the way, way back machine all the way back to episode eight with uh, Wes Horner, who is one of my favorite people. This is an episode where I discovered that people like classical music for the same reason people like other music, because it's good. <laughs> and if you think we're good, make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and to rate and review us. All right, that's it. Enjoy the episode. My name is Daisha Clay. I'm the audio librarian here at Classical 91.7. While I'm a real librarian, I have a deep, dark secret. I know very little about classical music. I grew up listening to rock. And I know something about jazz. But when it comes to classical... The thing is, I want to learn. And as it turns out, I work with people who know a lot about classical music. Every week on this show, one of my coworkers will give me a homework assignment, a piece of classical music they think I should know, and then we'll discuss it. Come learn with me in the classical classroom. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Classical Classroom. I'm Daisha Clay, and today my teacher is going to be the legendary Wesley Horner. Wesley runs Wesley Horner Productions and is essentially a public radio renaissance man. His um, executive producer credits are too long for me to tell you about, but he's worked (laughs) on everything from PBS documentaries to Performance Today to NPR shows. He's written a book. Um, he's only won like two Peabody Awards. I'm um, so sorry. <laughs> and most recently, he produced Classical 91.7's nationally syndicated Mozart Festival radio program that series. That is correct. Yes. So, yeah what what would you call what you do? I mean, you seem to have a hand in bringing classical music and all kinds of stuff to people. Um, in in so many ways. So tell us about that. I have had a lifelong passion for making classical music accessible to people without having to wear a tuxedo and go to a formal concert and sit there quietly. I hate doing that myself. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm telling you this as... You know, I went to music school, studied. I loved playing in right. concerts, but I hate the formality. So radio was, is a perfect opportunity to uh, to get to know classical music without, yeah. with all those trappings. You know? Right. One of my jobs in, yeah, in music school, when I, when I was in music school, was to, to um, be in charge of the concerts of contemporary music. Now, people really hate going to concerts of contemporary music because it's <laughs> scary stuff. I decided to put these concerts in a bar, so we had booze flowing. Um, always, always good. I Yep, and I, I went to the College of Visual Arts up mm-hmm. the street. This was in Boston. Invited the art students to hang their paintings and stuff around the bar. And they all came, and their friends came, and they weren't so scared of the music. So it was like, you know, it was a whole different crowd than the usual concert hall. That's a great idea. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's that's so cool. I mean, I would go to something like that. But, yeah, going to a concert hall, eh. 
Yeah. So, so this is what you do. You bring classical music to the masses via the airwaves, and that's that's right. Cool. Yeah. Show. Well, so what are you going to teach me about today? So you promised you would go off and listen to <laughs> the B minor Mass yeah. by Johann Sebastian Bach. Yeah. Uh, Bach with twenty-one children. Uh, yeah. yeah, wow. No, thankfully for his wives, two wives. I mean, so one poor <laughs> woman didn't produce 21 children. Jeez. Still, it's a lot of kids. It's a lot. When when did Bach live? I realized as I was listening to this, like how little I know about Bach. Uh, yeah. yeah, you know, I barely got through music school. I really did. And but uh, and so I don't remember a lot of these details, like <laughs> dates. It's kind of like studying history. I know two composers' dates: Bach and Mozart. And three Beethoven too. So Bach is sixteen eighty five to seventeen fifty. So you have to. We have to get into the head of what music listening was like in those days. There were no recordings. There's no radio. So pretty much the only place you'd hear music is church, mm. and that's it. Composers could use this to their advantage, and Bach did it. He'd write a piece, and it worked out pretty well, and then four years later, he needs a piece suddenly, and it's been a busy week. The kids have been acting up. He needs a new piece of music. I think I'll take that piece that worked out pretty well four years ago, and I'll use it again, and I'll just put some new words to it. No one will mm. notice Everyone who heard it the first time has left town anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so so pieces of this B minor mass of box um were had actually shown up as other pieces of music with different oh. words. Wow. Or maybe even, you know, a movement from this might have started out life as a solo sonata for harpsichord. So he was he was recycling his own work. Constantly. Huh. Yeah, I mean, you know, wouldn't you? If you came up with a great yeah. tune, it <laughs> works out pretty well. I'll use yeah. that tune again. Yeah. Huh. So, he was a Lutheran. He His job was at this Lutheran church in Leipzig. Mm-hmm. So, mo- it was pretty unusual for him to write a Latin mass, and this mass is in Latin. Mm-hmm. Um, and here's the bizarre thing about this particular piece of music. He didn't finish it until the year before he died. He was almost blind by then, and he never heard it. He never. What? It was never performed in his lifetime. Wow. Never. Uh, and it took a long time. I actually, I had to look this up. The premiere, he, he, so he dies in 1750. The premiere of this piece of music wasn't until 1859. Oh, my it goodness. It sat in a drawer for a long time. No one, no one had heard it. Wow. Pretty amazing. Huh? That's fascinating. Yeah. So what is it that, that drew you to this piece? Because I remember when we were talking before the show, you were saying that you had um, sort of an emotional connection to, to the music. You weren't, you weren't even quite sure if you wanted to use it. Yeah. You know, it's a big, long piece. I forget how long it is, but it's... Really long. 101 minutes. <laughs> and how much of it did you listen to? Approximately 80 of those minutes. <laughs> I did a little fast forwarding. It's still a lot. A lot of yeah. it is is very sort of droney. <laughs> I know that's not a very um, very sophisticated descriptive word, but 
but uh, it, it really sort of drones on and then it has these moments of of uh, it, it sort of coming at you coming alive and then um, and yeah. then it sort of ebbs for a while there's a lot of ebb yeah I noticed huh and why is that what is what one thing that I'm interested in in learning on this show is what are these different kinds of classical music what what makes a mass as opposed to some other some other sort of music funny you should say that about the ebbs because um, you know I was talking about how if you lived then probably your only chance to hear music at all was to go to church mm-hmm. but it was normal to go to church a lot mm-hmm. and sit there for a long time I mean, yeah. what else were you going to do yeah. You go to the movies, that's not going to happen. So it wouldn't be weird to sit there and listen to this piece of music for a hundred and, what did you say? 101 minutes. 101 minutes? Yeah. That'd be fine. I mean, your Sunday plans probably What else count. you got to do? I, your Sunday plans probably every week. You went to church for three hours. There's no football. Yeah. Yeah, right. So, you know, things moved slower. That was okay. When those electric moments in this piece pop out Mm -hmm. to me they're so electric because you've been through a while of like Mm. going along going along going along and this is pleasant this is like lovely music and then all of a sudden kabam over your head it's like oh my god where'd that come from absolutely I noticed that for sure I could dance to this. Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> You're getting down right now. <gasps> Got a little swing to it. Mm-hmm. I love those little sparkly moments from the super high trumpet. There's a little tiny trumpet. Yeah. These are happy people. Yeah. Singing. Which stands out from a lot of the rest of this mass that's so, well, minor. Yeah. 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 I don't know why it's called the B minor mass, because huge parts of this are not in B minor at all. Yeah. Somebody came along later and gave it that name. So talk a little bit about what's what's going on in this... Piece. Um, well, first of all, the setup. There's two choruses here, and they're kind of at opposite sides of the stage. So they're talking back and forth at each other. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that conversation, like just there, mm-hmm. sounds so like a family that all talks at each other, mm-hmm. you know, and they're not really listening. And mm-hmm. this group over here is talking about this thing, and then this group over here is talking about that thing, and they're, they're like not at yeah. each other. And it's almost like people talking different stories at the same time. You ever been to a dinner party like that? Oh yeah, the cacophony of, of you know, the crowd. So they're, it's rolling along this mm-hmm. music, it's, it's going on and on, all this chaos, apparent chaos. Yeah. And then, by some miracle, at that last second, they all come together and say the same thing. Mm-hmm. He lines them all up on top of each other by, and somehow 
even though they're independent, they're always lined up mm-hmm. vertically. So they like hit these hmm. marks. That's neat. Exactly right. And that's really different than the music that came before or the music that came after. Wow. So he was he was quite the innovator. He brought music to a mountaintop. Mm-hmm. And he brought it so high. And this is me, my interpretation. He brought it to such a mountaintop of what could be achieved with that approach to writing music yeah. that almost people almost had to go to back to the drawing board after, wow. after that. And it's like, wait a minute. Let's rethink how music gets written. So he, he blew people's minds so completely that they just said, we have to start over again. We have to we have to um, go back to ground zero. And yeah, build know. from build from point Bach. Yeah, in a way, um, took music in a different direction. Yeah, let's hear another part of of the the mess. You want to hear the Sanctus? Yeah, the the moment. Let's hear it. Yeah. I don't know if you can tell, but in stereo, one group is on one side and another group is on the other side. They're saying this word sanctus to each other from opposite sides of the room. Uh-huh. And this this mass seems to... My Latin is very um, non-existent. <laughs> but I'm, but my, my best I'm barely guess, ahead of you with the Latin, believe me. <laughs> my best guess, just from looking at the titles of of the movements um, and the mass, I guess that's what you call the movements, um, uh, was that this is the story of Christ. Um, is, is that... I think so. You know, over the centuries, the Catholic Church had mapped out exactly what a mass should consist of, these different parts. First mm-hmm. you have to do this part, then you have to do this part, then you have to do this part. Okay, so it was more the the... B minor mass is more following the Catholic Church's prescribed formula formula for the yeah. for the mass itself. Right. Okay. Everybody who writes a mass follows the same okay. formula. So what is Sanctus then? Sanctus, you would ask me that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this is where the technical facts I kind of lose interesting. <laughs> to me, this is like jumping off a cliff and just floating in space. Interesting. And you think you're going to fall, but you don't. Yeah. You just stick your wings out and take off. Huh. That's what this feels like to me. Wow. I like that. Now they're off into another thing. You know what's happening now? This is like row, row, row your boat. This is a fugue. This is where... <laughs> These guys are singing the words Plaini Sunchali, which don't ask me what that means. I forgot. <laughs> now the second group's coming in with the same words. Now the third group's coming in saying the same thing. Yeah. It's around. It's around. It is. Huh. He was a master at that. Bach, the inventor of Row, Row, Row Your Boat. <laughs> <laughs> It's that particular technique, the round, yeah. which is technically called a fugue. Mm-hmm. Mozart was not that great at doing it. 
Wait, a round and a fugue are the same thing? It's the same thing. thing. Yeah, huh. same thing. Yeah. Huh. One voice starts, then the other one comes in. Row, row, row your boat. Third one comes in. Fourth uh, one comes and in. And then it goes around and around. Yeah. Huh. But that Sanctus, I am telling you, Dacia, this is like... I just sink when I hear this. It's mm-hmm. the harmony. It's the way that the music just rolls over onto itself. It's... Did you grow up... Words fail me. Did you grow up listening to classical music, or did you discover it on your own? Um, no, I... Uh, my father had a bunch of old records, and I would sit on the floor in the living room and listen with my ear way too close to the speaker. <laughs> because I wanted to feel it in my... Uh-huh. Right in my bones, and I could only do that if I had my, my ear up to the speaker. In this particular piece, I discovered in high school, and I just okay. would sit in my dorm room uh, in the dark. Yeah, it sounds so sad, but it wasn't. <laughs> and listen to this piece, and it would transport me because I could just close my eyes and think, "Man, this is what heaven's like. Hmm. This is what the afterlife sounds like. That's." That's what it feels like to me. Yeah. If I'm floating up in the afterlife, mm-hmm. if I hear this, I'll be happy. So here they're singing about Jesus is dead. Mm-hmm. Things are bad. It's very dark. Yeah. It's slow. The high voices in this performance, by the way, are boys, and that's the way oh. religious music was done back in the day. Boy they choirs. Boy choirs. Oh. It's, they have a unique kind of flat sound to yeah. their voice. It's very ethereal to me. Yeah. Dark moment. Stand by. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And there's that high trumpet yeah. again. Yeah. It's like, just could things be any darker? And then mm-hmm. the sun comes up. Right. And here's one of those little fugues again. Yeah, he's really into those. He's really good at it, too. Yeah. <laughs> Every, to me, every phrase of the words is so perfectly joined with the motion of the mm-hmm. tune. It's going up, and then it closes mm-hmm. back down. It's like someone who speaks with such eloquence and is so articulate. You just yeah. I noticed the the music, the instrumentation is pretty simple. What kind of, what kind of, like, what size of orchestra would Bach have been working with? Well, you know, here we are in church again, so this, there wasn't room for, it was a small church he worked in, too, amazing. I'm going to guess that if there were 20 players in this, 
Okay. And the modern symphony orchestra has 60, 65. Were the instruments at his disposal much different from, from what an orchestra might look like today? Yeah, the wind instruments especially, the flutes and bassoons and oboes and stuff, they, they didn't have the mechanical stuff in them mm. that modern instruments do. And the strings and the violins and violas and cellos were made out of guts instead of steel. Whoa. Gave, gives it a much warmer quality. Yeah. This recording, though, that we're hearing, this is recorded on modern instruments, I now, assume. Well, no, it isn't, actually. Oh, it isn't. It's made on instruments that are either actually old or they're replicas of oh, old instruments. Okay. Huh. And that helps to give it that authentic sound. It does sound very sort of round. I don't know how else to describe it. Yeah. A little, little bit more muted. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And here they are again repeating that tune from the at Resurrect Seat. Yeah. If I heard music like this in church on a regular basis, I'd probably be going to church on a regular basis. <laughs> Anybody seeking to convert Wesley? Please take note. <laughs> And as we're sitting here, crossing each other, I, I'm in that mode again. If I can, we're, I can't sit still. Yeah. I'm really conscious that I better stay right in front of the mic. You're purposefully <laughs> holding like, yourself down. So that's like me at a concert, you know, seeing yeah. one of my favorite bands. It's just like you can't. You're just you're hopping up and down, and there's nothing is going to stop you. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the rhythm, it's yeah. the way the words are coming together so perfectly. I think that's why... Beautiful. How do you deal with that, actually, as a classical music person? I mean, as a person who primarily listens to rock music, when I go see a rock band, I've, I have this outlet. I'm in this venue where it's like, um, it's sort of there to give you permission to jump up and down and and hop around and dance and you know be a goofball uh like you want to be to the music all the time but you know you're sort of held in place by social mores or what have you because people are going to think you're a big old weirdo but how do you deal with that as a classical music person you don't ever have that you know you don't get to go to a classical music show and there's no classical music mosh pit you know (laughs) There's something really wrong with that. Yeah. I think that you should make this. You know? You could be the progenitor of... (laughs) (laughs) This is... uh, But you know, when you're listening to classical music at home, what you do in private is your own business. (laughs) And where you can invite friends over and throw on some Bach and dance around the room. Feel free. But you're right. The concert halls are kind of like not made for that. It's too Mm -hmm. bad. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, maybe they should. Uh, maybe more people would come to see classical music if they didn't have to sit down the whole time. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I haven't solved that issue. I mean, I've yeah. been working on this since throwing those concerts in the bar. You know, mm-hmm. like how do you make the yeah, environment? Yeah, you're kind of going in that direction. And I, I, I still haven't figured it out. Yeah. Thanks so much for teaching hey. me about this. As we're listening together and you're pointing out these things, I, I can, you know, they're standing out to me and I can 
appreciate it more. To me, Deja, it's the, the technique doesn't matter. I mean, I don't even pay attention to the technique when I'm listening to it just yeah. for myself. It's just, how does it make my heart beat? Yeah. How does it make me want to move my arms? How yeah. does it, you know, can I close my eyes and think this is what heaven sounds like? Yeah. Or if I were to just be floating in my back in a tropical sea and looking at the stars, I would hear that Sanctus music. That's what it would feel like. Well, I'm going to have to try that. I'm going to take my iPod out to maybe not a tropical sea, but at least like a bathtub. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) See if it has an effect on me. It's the feeling. It's the emotions. That's what it really comes down to. That's awesome. How does it make you feel? Yeah. Well, Wesley, thank you so much for being on the Classical Classroom. It was really nice to talk to you. It was great to talk to you, too. And uh, we'll catch you guys next time.